What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zoom. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going very well. Th- thanks for having me on today, by the way. Oh, yeah. You know, it's been a while since you've been on the show. Uh, we know that the hiatus you, you've taken to make yourself into a better man has, was, was short-lived. Right. But it uh, seems like that was worth it. A couple days, maybe? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to be here, um, and my brain is just churning right now because there's so much to talk about. Yeah. I, I don't know where to begin. I don't know either. All five Atlanta professional sports teams have a lot of news and a lot of things going on right now, so we don't know where we're going to start. We were talking about it before the show, like, where the hell do we start? And we're just like, I don't know, we'll just dive in. There's plenty to talk about. I tell you what, we're going to be screwed when um, Atlanta gets a professional hockey team again. Six teams to talk about? <laughs> And we have to learn hockey, or at least sound like we know hockey a little bit more than we do. Well, we haven't really done that for uh, United, so that's a good point. We'll right. we'll just gloss over we'll it. Gloss over it. Yeah. yeah, perfect. So let's jump into Atlanta United then, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I was thinking. We'd start with. Well, now that we're, now I'm thinking about it now. Okay, let's, okay, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's kick it off with Atlanta United. Let's, let's give them the respect that they they deserve because they actually want to win championships. Yes, the. The defending champions had their first game right Sunday night up in D.C. The funniest part about this is, before we get into it, is you texted me, I think it was uh, a day or so after we recorded, and you're like, you know, United's first game is on the weekend, and we didn't talk about it worth shit. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Yeah, poor United. Classic Atlanta's own. Or dumbass us. Yeah. Definitely dumbass us. Yeah. The United, they're doing all right. Right. So on Thursday, we watched the second leg of the CONCAF championship that United was playing in, and they, they looked amazing. They were they were scoring at will. Uh, they went four to nothing. It, yeah, that was the one they played up at uh, Kennesaw State. Right. And they were, they were just playing like gangbusters. I was like, Jesus, God. All right. You know, this this new coach must be working. Uh, team looks sound. They look, look aggressive like they did last year. Flash, uh, fast forward <coughs> to Sunday, and it was the inverse of that entirely against the D.C. United team in the MLS opener. That's kind of their M.O., though. They've they've lost, this now their third season, they've lost the opener the past two seasons. So mm-hmm. I see that as a good thing. Yeah, I don't, I'm not really too concerned about it. I mean, you do look at only two shots on goal, and you've you got to be a little concerned about that. But it was, it was a torrential downpour. Uh, you know, the United lose two to nothing, and DC United did play their asses off. They looked a lot better than they did last year. I went to the game last year when we played them, and their their team was was like a high school team playing against United. They destroyed them. They looked uh, fired up and ready to go. And I don't know what happened in their off season or how they improved, but um, only two shots on goal is is disconcerting. But at the same time, there was only a seventy two hour period between playing the Concaf game to the uh, to the game on Sunday night. And you gotta think they were tired. Yeah, that certainly seems like a quick turnaround, right? And they've been going on the road a bunch. They've been going international. Um, a lot of soccer being played before the season actually starts, right? And this Concaf thing, if United keeps advancing, I mean that thing goes into May or something. They showed the bracket, and oh, I was like, Lord. Jesus God! <laughs> I mean, it's, it's insane. So you kind of have like two concurrent things going on for this team right now, and um, it, it's no wonder that they were tired heading into that game and, and dropped it. I'm, I'm not really going to read too much into it. Although, 
it was the most stagnant I've ever seen United's offense ever. I mean, I was doing some work while I was watching the game, and every time I looked up, it was like D.C. United was pressuring Guzan constantly. Defense wasn't moving, and we just seemed like we were never on their side of the field in either half. I'll be honest, Graham, I didn't watch the game. I saw the highlight where uh, Guzan gave up the one uh, pretty ugly goal. Oh, the one that bounced in front of him? Yeah. Yeah, I think he just misplayed that, and I think he also slipped a little bit. And, you know, we know Guzan's a really good goaltender. And, I'm not, like I said, I'm not too concerned about this. But I will say, like, this game, I was, even though I was working, I was a lot more into emotionally than I usually am in the United game. You're already pot committed. Yeah, I, I think I'm. I think I'm getting there in terms of actually like Fan paying hunt. attention more and trying to analyze the game a little bit and be more be more into it. So I could tell you, you just kept looking over at me. Yeah, I was like, and, "Do you want to say something?" Sir? I had already given my two cents. I had my two little uh, tidbits to throw out there to the world. Right. Uh, I was going to mention something about the place we watched the game on Thursday. Oh sure. Um, Elder Tree. No, not that wasn't was Elder Tree. Glendale? The Glenwood. Glenwood. Glenwood Tavern in East Atlanta seems like a great place to watch not only soccer games, but Falcons games as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. Any sport, really. I mean, they have TVs for days. You have your own booth and you have a TV there. So if you're not sitting at the bar or the bar is kind of far away or something, you got your own little TV there. The, the uh, older gentleman that assumes the manager there was on top of getting the TV changed for us. He didn't like you touching his TV. No, I was trying to change the channel. I was like, yeah. oh, it's just Mark. And he's like, yeah. I got it for you. And I was like, Jesus, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, that could be a good a good uh, go-to for us for the rest of the year. Yeah, for sure. So we got that going for us. Indeed. And I think United's going to be fine. I'm not, I'm not concerned at all. We also got to think that teams are gunning for them now. Yeah, they know, especially as the defending champion, you're going to get everyone's best shot. That's true across any sport. And they're not going to sneak up on anybody, and people are going to be more prepared. It is going to be interesting to see it with the new head coach, what the overall... What's his name, Graham? New United coach is Frank DeBoer. And don't know much about him. So now you're exposing my, my ignorance completely here. This is a total setup on your part. You, you had that one I, coming. As, as a Northern California conservative, <laughs> you're setting me up as the... In uh, uninformed DC liberal hipster that I am. Well, yeah, I mean, I just had to call you out. I knew you had a few things in your head, uh, base level that you were going to be able to throw out there. But if we dove much deeper, right? You were in the shallow. Like I, I only had my toes in. You were in the shallow end. Yeah, I'm in. You're in the baby pool. I'm in the three foot, the three foot deep section. Yeah. You still have your swimmies on. So yeah. It'll be a while before I take those off. What were we saying there? <laughs> <laughs> so, what's up for United next is they, they're playing the Monterey team in the quarterfinal, like one of two of the CONCACAF Champions League. So, there will be another two-game series there. And then they play against Cincinnati on Sunday the 10th. And I believe that's the home opener? Oh, yeah, because they do it backwards in soccer on the scoreboard. Right. And Cincinnati's the the brand new team this year. So yeah, I've never the, heard of them before. Yeah, we're not even the newest team in the league. All right. So that's what's coming up for United. We'll try and do better next time. Pretty solid, though. Yeah, not bad. Good work, Grant. I actually watched the game. Yeah. Proud of you, bub. Thank you. Let's move on to the Braves, Adam. There's a, there's a whole host of things happening with this team, from injuries on the pitching staff, particularly in the you know starting rotation, you have Josh Donaldson, who still hasn't played a game yet. 
You gotta start wondering about his health. You got Liberty Media releasing their earnings, their revenue over the last year, which according to Jeff Schultz of The Athletic has gone from, since 2016, has gone from $262 million in revenue to $386 million in revenue to $442 million in revenue. And that last number was our revenue from 2018. And yet, we see nothing in terms of an increase in the payroll. Well, I heard all the hubbub about this and people on Twitter losing their mind, as they tend to do. But we're talking about revenue. Sure. They're paying off all their debt, too. Well, yeah, that's the frustrating part. Well, you got to pay your debt off. you got to pay your debt off, but, of course, you would like to put some of that money into the damn baseball team. Why not put $100 more million uh, worth of money into the baseball team? And then you make more money because more people want to come out and see Craig Kimbrell come back or go see Patrick Corbin, who you could have signed. I don't know. I'm still not... I'm I'm still not buying into like like every, this is the big thing everyone wants to argue about it. And I'm I'm still not on board with it. What with not spending money, with not making signings that aren't in your best interest. Why wouldn't Kimbrel or Corbin be in our best interest? We need bullpen help, and we need Kimbrel because he wants five years, a hundred million dollars. Okay, well you know he's got to be coming down from that at this point. It's March, and he's not on on a team yet. Uh, according to sources, as of yesterday, they're still not. He's still not. That's why he's not signed. He hasn't come down. Well, he's a damn fool. He's asking ridiculous... Okay, that's fair. You don't want to give Kimbrell at this stage in his career that much money. That's fine. I'm just saying, for the love of God... And we're not going to get into the whole thing about why didn't we sign Corbett again, because we don't know if he wanted to come here or not. No, we don't. But you would think if the ownership would have, would, you know, unleash the Kraken to a degree and give the team more money, we could have made more moves. Potentially. Potentially. They, they keep saying all this stuff about we can do whatever we want, we want to get into the middle, the payroll... All this stuff, and I don't want to beat a dead horse because we've gone over this before. But it's still when you see that number come out, that four hundred forty-two million, and not really, uh, you know, and that's not to say none of that went into the payroll. Obviously, we're paying the players for Christ's sake that we have. But the fact that the payroll has gone down and the revenue has gone up exponentially is is disappointing. But I really would have appreciated if Jeff Schultz gave us, if or if they released the expenses as well, because I mean that just knowing the revenue doesn't tell us shit. No, that's true. And according to this this article he wrote on The Athletic, there's also um, another phase of the, of the battery happening that's going to cost at least $200 million, phase two of the battery. So then it's like, well, are we ever going to see money actually put into the team's payroll, or is it just going to come into continue to develop the battery? Graham, I will put money on it right now that the Braves' payroll at the end of this season – will be higher than it was at the end of 2018. I won't take that, because I think there will be some, something that... something. May. Actually, you know what? Just because they've been lying the whole time, I'll take you up on it. Ten bucks. <laughs> that was the number I was going right. to set a lot. Shake hands. All right, y'all are witnesses. A nice, hearty, six-month, $10 bet. Yes. Yeah. We're risk takers. Indeed. That could also... Uh, Just like Liberty Media. You could double up on that this year if Tim Tebow makes the majors. Ooh, which I think... Oh, yeah, that's an easy bet, too, because I think that was just at any point in time right. Tim Tebow makes the majors. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I feel good about that one. I do these very open-ended, like, six-month minimum bets <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason when it comes to sports. Uh, and then we got all the injuries to the pitchers. We have Mike Fultonavich, his bone chips, bone spurs in his elbows. Gossman's 
you know, was sore. Soroka still hasn't done anything. Uh, Luis Gohara is banged up again. So it's sort of like, you know, a lot of people have been saying, oh, well, there's Dallas Keiko out there. And that's one guy I really don't want to get because if you compare him to Julio, they've almost been the same pitch in the last couple seasons. Yeah, he was a Cy Young in 2015. Right. After that 2015 Cy Young season, he has slowly dropped off. And now he's regressed to being a very, in my mind, mediocre pitcher. So I wouldn't want to do that. But you start the thing about, and, and the Braves say they're not worried about this at all. However, I'm a little concerned, especially with Fulte dealing with, with bone spurs, because that has historically not been a problem for him, but I've seen that derail some pitchers during the season before. And that being our ace pitcher kind of concerns me. Yeah, but it, they, all these injuries seem like minor things at this point, and you'd rather have it happen now. And I can give you a five-man rotation that isn't even a rotation currently from the Braves that I'd be comfortable with throwing oh. them out there for starts. So who's your five-man rotation? From people that aren't in our current rotations? Yes. Uh, we'll go Ian Anderson. All right. Kyle Wright. You think Ian Anderson and Kyle Wright are ready? I'm saying these are guys that I'm comfortable giving starts if we have to at the beginning of the year. Okay. Bryce Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, so either Tukey or Soroka, whichever yep. one doesn't make it. And uh, eh, I don't. I still don't love Colby Allard, but the point is, we. that's why we have all this depth for these little nagging injuries. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it makes sense. It's just... It's scary when so many of your pitchers are dealing with, with health issues, even if they might not be serious. You know, we have seen in the past, like I said, one, you know, reported elbow soreness turns into freaking Tommy John later in the season. Yeah, if, if something's wrong with Fulty, that would be pretty devastating. Yeah, that, that, that would hurt. I'll give you that much. That would hurt a lot. But, you know, hopefully do your best. I'll Actually, maybe this is me talking to myself. Maybe do I'll do my best not to freak out about this as much because – it's like March 5th. Right, and guys get sore sometimes. But I also They're getting back on the swing thing. I, yeah. How sore was your arm on Sunday after chucking the old road out? Oh, yeah, I was camping. very sore. Yeah. yeah. I haven't played competitive baseball in like 15 years, so... Well, they hadn't played competitive baseball in a couple months. Right, so, so that's a fair comparison. I imagine they're going to have the same oh, sort yeah. of issues. Definitely. So we're hoping, it's looking like Josh Donaldson will make his spring debut on Friday which is good news, and I don't even care if he strikes out seven times or two times or once. I just want to see him playing and know that he's healthy. I think that's the big thing we're watching out for there with with Josh Donaldson. I mean, they haven't given us any indication that he isn't healthy. It's just they're easing him in, right? Yeah, it seems like the medical staff just wants to make sure that he's good 100% and is ready to rock, and they don't want to force anything, especially because spring training lasts forever. So, yeah. um. Yeah, so there's that. We also had Ronald Acuna hit his first home run against the Astros the other day, which was nice to see. Uh, Sean Newcomb had a good start. Didn't give up any runs, I don't think. Went like three innings, looked good. Kyle Wright had a great start today. Kyle Wright also had a great start today. Uh, I think we got beaten by the Yankees, but who cares? Yeah, Sabatka got shelled. Yeah. You don't don't like seeing those guys get shelled. No. That's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, especially when you're working on stuff in the spring. Yep. And uh, overall, I think spring training is progressing fine. But one thing we haven't talked about 
Uh, Wait, you, you forgot. Oh, please. <laughs> before you move on, yeah. a very important player on our team this year, Graham. Who's that? Adam Duvall. Oh, yeah, hit two bombs hit the other day. Two bombs the other day. So I knew when I, that happened, I uh, I thought of you immediately and your insane support of Adam Duvall. And I thought you would come on here and start saying, oh, well, you got to start thinking about him as a platoon option for Marquecas, for Christ's sake. Not a bad option. No, it is a bad option. Seitzer's loving the adjustments he's made to his swing. He's getting his timing back. Uh, this is a guy who hit 30 home runs two years ago, Graham. He always has a shitty on base. I just don't. I mean, you. we got to see. we got to see. But he's, he's not a major league worthy hitter right now, at least in terms of his last, uh, you know, the last time he played in a regular season game. we got to think he's gone from the small market team of Cincinnati to a team that wants to be a mid-market team. Ooh. So I'm sure that the press is a lot tougher in Atlanta, so he's adjusting to that. Yeah, I mean, they really, when you got about four to six people in front of your locker after every game, it, it, it takes a while to get adjusted to that from the one to three in, uh, in Cincinnati. Well, maybe he follows Braves Twitter so he knows how much people hate him. Yeah, that's got to have a psychological effect yeah. on you, doesn't it? Yeah. So... We'll keep our eyes on him, though, Graham. Sure. I don't think much else is really happening with, with the Braves. Um, but obviously there was big news across uh, Major League Baseball that happened last week after we recorded, of course, in that Bryce Harper signs a 13-year, $330 million deal with the Phillies. So he will be on the Phillies until we are, Jesus Christ, like 42 years old. That's strange to think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and it'll go down as the worst contract in the history of baseball. I still love that. I still love that. It's going to be fascinating to watch this play out if this becomes... Because the Phillies are definitely going all in. But the pitching staff still blows. Yeah, that's the thing. And with, and the exception <laughs> People of, are forgetting With the exception that. of Nola and yeah, Arietta. They have they're, they're an ace and then... A good two, a three. A good two. Yeah. And then it's kind of downhill from there. Right. Um, but their offense on paper looks pretty good with Segura... And Real Muto and Harper, um, that's that's a good Hoskins. Hoskins also. I mean, that, that's that's a murderer. I mean, McCutcheon isn't what he used to be, but he's still a respectable player. So you gotta you gotta look at that as well. And um, I mean, it, and say, are you saying that though? That, I'm not that much more scared of their offense than ours. All right, let's let's do a comparison then. So let's go top of the order. We we, got, are we going by order or by position? Let's go How by. Are we let, do let's go by comparison. order. Let's go by order. Okay. So, probably got Cesar Hernandez, their second baseman, who's an all-around solid player, decent on base, makes good contact, not a power guy. That's probably your one. For us, we have Acuna or Enciarte. Let's let's just say for the sake of argument, we're not going to do a lot of variables here. Let's say Acuna is our number one because that's what he was last year. I think we have the the advantage there. There, Cesar Hernandez is a nice player. Cunha could be an MVP caliber talent. I this think year. we have the advantage with Inciarte too. Depends or, on or Ozzy if you yeah. if you go by position. Let's go by lineup. Let's say I want to look at the lineup and say who has the better lineup on paper. Okay, all cool. right. So we got Cesar Hernandez versus Acuna. I think we can both agree we have a MVP caliber talent in Ronald Acuna, and we have a nice player in Cesar Hernandez by landslide. Yes. Yes. So advantage Braves. Braves win. Spot. Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. Uh, number two. Let's say that Andrew McCutcheon is their number two guy. 
And actually, you know what? I'm going to change it up here. I'm going to say Gene Segura is their, their number two guy. And Segura, for those that aren't familiar with him, is very is a very fair player. Gets a lot of hits. He's um, hits well. He hits well over 300 the last couple of years. And good on base guy. So this is when your lineup starts to get a little dangerous with the Segura there. Our number two, on paper, according to Snitker, will probably probably be Donaldson. And if Donaldson's on his game and is healthy, that's another MVP caliber player yes. that you have at number two. So I would say advantage Braves. Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. Braves win. Yes. All right, three. Let's say Harper. Let's say Harper's your, your three. And then we'll compare him to Freddie Freeman. So if we compare the, the two based on war, doing an average over the last three seasons, Bryce Harper has a 2.2 war on average over the last three seasons. Freddie Freeman, on the other hand, has like a, uh, it's like a 6.1. Yeah, thereabouts. Somewhere in there. Estimated, yeah. approximately, in yeah. the ballpark. I mean, yeah, there's some decimals that we're not including. And right, and so when, you, when that happens, you got to sort of just, you know, as, as not big math guys, you're like, yeah, just approximate it. Yeah. So based off that alone, and war, as we, as we know, is the accumulation of what we value a player as in terms of everything about him from defense to offense, Brady Freeman is a clear advantage. So no doubt about it. Once again, once again, Braves, Braves win, win. Braves, Braves win. win, Braves, Braves win. win. And we got Reese Hoskins versus uh, who's going to be our fourth hitter, Adam? That's we might have to give this one to him. Um, it's Marcakis last year. I don't think it's Marcakis. Probably will be Marcakis again. I could see Camargo when he plays <laughs> against left-handers be the fourth guy, but. Probably not going to happen. That, that's why, I mean, that's the argument for Acuna at four. Right, is that you're, you're sort of top-loaded. Those are your three best players. Yeah. Those are three guys that could potentially win an MVP, and then after that, there's a little bit of a, there's a drop-off, let's be honest. There's yeah. a drop-off. Yeah. So, I think after that, let's say that, uh, for the sake of argument, let's say Marquecas is our four again. Let's hope that's not the case, but who knows? Maybe it is. Marquecas versus Hoskins, there's no comparison. I think Hoskins, even though Marquez had a nice year, Hoskins has more power and has the ability to continue to develop as a player. We know what we're getting with Marquez. So we give the Phillies the fourth spot. We'll give them that one. Yeah. So it's three to one. Right. Real Muto hitting fifth versus... Probably our catchers hitting fifth. Either our catchers or... Uh, yeah, let's say our catchers. I think Real Muto is one of the best catchers in the game. you got to give it to... I think you got to give it to the Phillies in all respects. There. Although he's coming from the small market, Miami. Right, the big Philadelphia is a big market. There, I mean, Bryce and JT both better be ready for that. Yeah, they're, they're going to be boo if if they if, if we if we sweep them in the first season oh, of the year, they'll be throwing batteries at them. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, bev them. So let's say that Andrew McCutcheon is the sixth hitter. You can probably say that um, Albie's is probably our sixth hitter. I like Ozzy there. Yeah, I'm giving it to Ozzy. Um, especially if he can make the adjustments that we've been talking about. And uh, especially considering his defense as well. McCutcheon has slowed down and is not the great defender he once was. I, I give that advantage to Ozzy. So where are we at? Uh, that's four to Braves two. to two. Okay. So we got Mikey L. <coughs> Franco, who's a solid third baseman, but very power heavy, uh, versus who would be our seventh guy, I guess. Ender. Ender. They're very different players. 
completely different players, really, in terms of their approach. Neither one of them has a great on base, but Ender's is a little better. Ender's a wor- you know world class defender. That's so I'll, true. I'll take Ender. Oh, all right. Graves so, going. Braves win. Braves, Braves win, win. Braves, Braves win. win. So let's say Adubel Herrera versus Dansby. Um, well, he did have 22 homers last year, which was a career high. The on base percentage was around 310 which is pretty bad. Dansby also had a horrible on-base percentage and didn't produce that well offensively, but he was excellent defensively. Um, so I think that alone, you know, maybe Oduble is the better offensive player overall, but Dansby's the better defensive player, and considering we already have such a good, you know, at least top of the order, top three, and then when you plug in... Dansby at the bottom just for the defense, I'd say you give it to the Braves there. And also, if Camargo's hitting eighth, which he wouldn't, but let's just say for the sake of argument he was, I'd give it to Camargo as well. So I think the Braves, overall on paper, have a better lineup. Yeah, so I don't know why I want to freak about the Phillies. Plus, But that's still a very dangerous, that's still very dangerous with Harper, Hoskins, Real Muto, and Segura in the same lineup. That is four... Those are four really, really, really great options. I mean, it, it just reminds me of one of those, like, Yankees teams that they've been trying to buy or, like, the Lakers with LeBron and just trying to, like, put these superstars and mix and match with, like, with people that are a little bit over the hill. I don't think LeBron to the Lakers is a fair comparison because the Lakers are a mess and they have just a bunch of young guys who aren't, like... I mean, Kuzma's good and, and, and Monzo's okay. all right. all right. Well, I'm but not trying I'm, to get into the Lakers. Well, but, but no, what I'm trying to say is, is that... Is a difference. Thought we're trying to not talk over each other anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got to work on that, right? It's, it's a process. But with with the Lakers, it's a little different considering LeBron's the only like stud. And the Phillies, you got Harper, Real Muto. Even though I know the Ward looks bad, he can still be a stud player. And he had an excellent second half of the season. I hate to admit. Um, Real Muto, Hoskins has the ability to be a star. If, you know, if he puts it together. Um, and Segura is a very, very, very fine player defensively and offensively. So, I mean, that is still a very respectable lineup. But I have to say on paper, I like the Braves a little bit more than the Phillies right now. So so you talked over me to make the exact same point. Right, to reiterate <laughs> right. my point. Just in case you didn't get it in the first Versus point. the chemistry factor that I was going for there. Oh. With just putting, like, a bunch of guys together that, I mean, I think McCutcheon's over the hill. Yeah, um, I guess I can't say anyone else is necessarily over the hill, but it just chemistry is a factor, and the Braves have that as well. Yeah, Braves do have a very good Phillies, clubhouse. Yeah, Phillies have that weird coach that I don't think anyone actually likes. Yeah, yeah. P- apparently, Bryce Harper was put off by him in their first meeting. Oh, that's great. Yeah, he also makes a lot of Gabe Kapler makes a lot of weird decisions. Trust the analytics a little too much. To the point of pissing everybody off. The Braves do have a great clubhouse chemistry, and I think it's going to get better with McCann and Donaldson, who have been known to be very good clubhouse guys. And we know that firsthand about McCann. So, and the, and the leadership he provided, a young Astros team, who's kind of in a similar position to the Braves before they won a championship, was, I think, instrumental, a lot of people said, in helping propel them to a World Series. And I'm not saying that's going to happen with the Braves, but you got to like that. So, brass tacks. I'm not as worried about these Phillies as a lot of people are. I'm more worried about the Nationals. And um, <clears throat> it's, it's, I mean, it's going to be a good race, but yeah. I think the Nationals are more the team to beat, mm. besides us, because we're yeah. the division champs. Yeah, we were the team to beat in the East until we were dethroned. 
I don't think there's really anything else to go over with the Braves at the moment. Unless you have anything. I guess not. So let's jump into those Hawks, Adam, who have been very exciting. I think they're the most exciting under 20 games under 500 team in any sport ever. Yeah, they're doing everything. Like, it couldn't be going better right now. Every game's exciting. Every game's close. But they're still losing enough to stay in the same position they are for the draft. Right. And one guy who's playing out of his mind right now is Trey Young. In his last 15 games, he's got 24. He's averaging 24 points, nine assists, and shooting over over 40% from three point range. He has been outstanding, um, including that insane overtime game we missed against the Bulls because we were camping. Um, that 168 to 161 overtime loss in which he scored 49 points and had 16 dimes, including a buzzer beating three pointer to send us into overtime. You know, yeah. where it's like he's take he's the guy taking the shot and he wants it and he's making it happen. I loved watching those highlights of that game too, just how into it the like the crowd is as well. Like Oh yeah. Like, everyone's pulling for the Hawks now. Right. They're not cheering for the visitors or doing any of that crap because I mean that, that that was I thought one of the beauty in uh drafting Trey Young over Luca. He just seemed like more of a guy that would have that superstar flair that Atlanta would brace. Mm-hmm. Um I say brace or embrace. You said brace, oh. but I think the users know you mean embrace. Embrace. Sorry. And he's starting to show that now. I mean, those those threes he's taken is, are ridiculous now. Yeah, it's it's interesting now. What I've noticed is that sometimes even even though he's still rushes his shots, sometimes he's a lot more confident with his shot. And it's sort of hard to quantify that. But when he's when he pulls up. There's a swagger. There's this confidence. It's, it reminds me a little of Reggie Miller in the day. It's like when he was shooting, he was like, I'm going to make this fucking shot. That was going through his mind, it seemed like. And I'm getting the same vibe when I watch Trey now. It's like when he's pulling up from what feels like you know, 10, 15 feet, it probably is, behind the damn three-point line. It's like, oh, yeah. No, it's it's not a thing where it's like, oh, there's a little bit of hesitation or it's, oh, he's just jacking it up. It's like, no, he, he thinks he's going to make it. And he has mostly been making his shots from three-point range recently. And his passing is what makes him doubly as dangerous because he can either pull up from there or lob it up to John Collins. Yeah, yeah, for sure. One thing I was reading this week uh, on The Athletic was an article by Chris Kirshner, the Hawks writer, and he was talking about how even though this team is well out of the playoff race, the chemistry is great. Vince Carter's doing a great job, job mentoring the guys. Everyone's remaining positive and realizes that the future is bright. In comparison, in contrast to what he was saying about you know, what he's hearing about the Suns, for example, where DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker are, are bitching and moaning about God tanking sucks and we're miserable and, and we understand it's part of the process, but F us, in other words, you know, if you when you peel off the subtext of their their uh, PC responses to the press. So did he say <clears throat> what specifically he thinks is causing this chemistry? Is it just he says a lot Lloyd, of it Lloyd he thinks Pierce? he says a lot of it he thinks has to do with what Lloyd Pierce is doing. And that he's instilling every single day, every single second, every single moment is precious in the development of this team. And if you don't take it seriously, it'll pass you by. That game, uh, the game will pass you by. And that that game where when Trey Young and John Collins went off against the what was was it against the Lakers? No, not the Lakers. Against the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and they both awesome. had thirty plus points. It was like you're not getting the day off. You're going back to the gym. There's still things you can improve upon. Like they called it practice the day the day after. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, confidence, too. You know, Amari Spellman saying, you know, I think we could be 
over 500. Um, and we just had bad experiences or bad lapses, you know, bad quarters, uh, some miscues that have hurt us, but there's a lot of confidence there. And, um, also calling out John Collins was out for the first 15 games of the season. I'm thank Christ we aren't yeah. uh, three games over 500, but I like the, I like the confidence and, um, well, last night was a perfect example of that as well against the Heat, where the Heat looked scared of the Hawks towards the end. Mm-hmm. Like, the Heat were up, like, 10 with, like, two minutes left, and we just kept coming and kept coming. And um, we got it to within two, I think, at the end, and just needed a foul. But then we couldn't even foul. So it's just, like, some just young rookie lapses like that that they're going to learn from that, which yeah. is all the better to be playing these close games this year. So next year we're ready to ride. I think a lot of this has, you know, like we were saying, Lloyd Pierce. I thought he was going to be a sacrificial lamb in the sense that, you know, he would develop some players and do a decent job there maybe, but we'd never really contend under him and we'd never really play up, you know, as a team to the level that we want to play. And then when the time came for the team to really try and contend, we'd move on from him. I really hope after watching the season, and especially after reading this article, that doesn't happen because it seems like he's got everybody uh, on the right path, on the right track to success, and that they the team has bought in. And it's a young, malleable team, and if they don't buy in or you do a bad job explaining the message, it could go south really fast. And it, I think he's the reason why they are the best, you know, 20 games under 500 team I've, I've ever watched. Um, that has done so much better than anyone thought they would do. Right. As well. Right. Totally. No, he's definitely the guy. And last night I was um, woke up about 2 in the morning, couldn't go back to sleep, started reading Hawks articles, as mm-hmm. one generally does. Sure. And I came across one, I don't know if you've seen this or not, that made me so excited, talking about how the Schlenk has said that due to Trey Young's development and John Collins happening so much quicker mm-hmm. than they thought it was going to be, and just Lloyd Pierce being as great of a voice as he has been, they're going shopping this summer, Grant. Which I think is great. They Like Kevin Durant shopping. Yeah, and there's probably no chance in hell they're going to get them, but the fact that they're saying that makes me excited because normally in this town, across all the sports, with the exception of when the Braves had a huge payroll, Right, and we're getting Greg Maddox and Gary Sheffield and whoever the hell they wanted. We've been, for the most part, pretty tepid in terms of going after free agents. It was just like, oh no, 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 we, we can't do that. Well, also, no one like no one wants to come here. Pretty much is what they're saying, or we don't have the money to, to land a big free agent. But Travis Schlink saying, "Damn that all, damn it straight to hell." We're gonna clear. You know, he's not saying this, but pretty much, if he clears some more cap space, like with um, Plumley. And uh, just doesn't even play anymore. Well, they have the money to they have forty five million to spend right. this summer but, without. I mean, so Plumlee's coming off the books next year. Yeah, but, yeah. But you could find a way to get rid of him. You could find a way to get rid of Baysmore. Um, you know, if you do that, then you have even more cap space to work with, and you could. I don't know. I don't know if you can do more than one max player, but not not this year. Not this year, but there's still the opportunity to really go for a guy this year, and even if you don't do it and it doesn't work, I mean, even if it doesn't happen, is what I'm trying to say, that still sends a message to the rest of the league that this wants to be a serious franchise. And that I think, especially with Trey Young's emergence and seeing him on ESPN early, and he's getting national attention, that 
you know, the profile of this team is going up. People are starting to know who Trey Young is. They're starting to know who John Collins is. And Travis Schlenk is real. Yeah, you're exactly right. He's realizing this, and he wants to go for it. And I think that's awesome. No one else wants to go for it in this town except for Atlanta United. I, I don't agree with that. Like, I agree with parts of what you're saying. It's not a matter of him wanting to go for it. It's, for the Hawks, it's always been, like, they haven't been able to even get those meetings with those free agents. Right. But now they actually have something to sell. And it is Trey Young and John Collins and Lloyd Pierce and this core, plus two top ten for picks this year. Right, that's got to be attractive. And I don't understand why Kevin Durant, like, so he's gotten shit for going to Golden State and getting his championship with someone else's team and Steph Curry. Like, why would he want to go to New York? And all, I mean, the same crap we were joking about with the media, but like the media up there would eat you up. Oh, yeah. Down here, you're just dealing with, like, Chris Vivlamore and... And, and, our, and our buddy, Mr. Uh, Chris Kirshner. Yeah, and they're all very nice guys. They're going to ask you your questions, and you get to play with these young guys. And apparently, he has a relationship with Trey Young already. Yeah, they they've, they foster a relationship, and, and Trey views him as a mentor, so that's got to count for something. And, yeah, you're exactly right. Why would you want to go to New York? One, their team sucks. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're like, all... There's a big difference between watching other teams that aren't very good this year, like the Knicks and the Bulls, and then contrast that with the Hawks. The Hawks have something going for them. Those teams absolutely do not, for the most part. Yeah, although the Bulls are kind of up and coming, which is great for us. If they, they've won like six out of their last seven, if they keep winning, right, it'd be right. phenomenal. But um, but you no, know, that's a good point. But I, th- I think there have been good Hawks teams in the past, especially obviously the Holy Grail, the 2014-2015 uh, team. Where I was like, man, it would have been nice if we could have done something after that season to try and attract a, a star to come to the to the team. But I think this team's in a better position to attract people because there's so much more room for growth. And if you, I mean, honestly, if KD came here, we could win the Eastern Conference title. We can go to the finals next yeah. year. Especially if you get two top ten picks that are also really good. I mean, Jesus, God, if you get Zion somehow and KD comes here. That would be ridiculous. That would be absurd. That would be absurd. But, Graham, this is Atlanta, so we know none of this is going to happen. No, it's, it's nice to kind of talk about it. And I really like Travis Schlink's attitude. I like the, what, what he's done with scouting, drafting, and the fact that he's saying, yeah, I'm, this team's ready to compete, and I'm really going to go for it. Because there could also be a, a, a thing where he could say, oh, no, even if we are ready to compete, there's no reason to go for it because we're Atlanta. That's fair. I'll, I'll give you that. And, yeah. and he's saying, no, fuck that shit. I'm changing the culture here, I know, which, I, which I love. All right, Adam. Let's move on from that positive discussion to a rather negative one. And dissecting the baffling moves of Thomas Dimitrov over the last week or so. Let's start with the most recent one with a franchise tag that was placed on Grady Jarrett because the two could not come to a agreement on a long-term deal. And so it's very frustrating because Thomas has been saying that this is the top priority for the Falcons in the offseason. And just because he signed the franchise tag doesn't mean that there can't be a long-term deal. Doing this doing this basically means that Grady can't do anything in free agency at this point. The franchise tag blocks him from doing that. So according to our boy, D. Orlando Ledbetter, uh, the franchise tag is going to be worth $15 million, a little over $15 million this year. Um, and basically what that does is it really hurts our cap position. Because um, we only had $22.3 million worth of cap space after the Vic Beasley resigning. And after, for some reason, which is 
also incredibly mystifying, along with the ridiculous idea of extending Ty Sambreo for three years. So this really hurts our, our cap situation if a long-term deal isn't made. Well, I don't think the long – either way, it's going to – like the franchise tag isn't the problem. Like, How much did you think Grady was going to sign for? The thing is, though, if we had signed a long-term deal this year, we could backload the deal and take a little pressure off the front front end of the deal, which is usually how a lot of these long-term extensions work with players. I don't, I don't know if Grady would be willing to do that. Maybe he wouldn't, and maybe that's one of the big problems. Who knows? Yeah. See, I mean, I, it probably is, and so I don't think the Grady things are issue. They're, they're doing their best to sign them. They're obviously so far apart, which is why they had to put the franchise tag on them. But the Vic Beasley thing, that's the mystifying one, to put $12 million into that guy. Yeah, I mean, if you're, I'll, I'll say this about Thomas, if you're not going to be able to come to an agreement with Grady Jarrett and you realize that this is the right move to do for now, I guess, which sucks, but it, it's, it is what it is. You're right, though. The Vic Beasley move is beyond comprehension. How are you going to give a guy, and I also think this kind of fucks up a little bit of what we're trying to do with Grady Jarrett. How are you going to give a guy who is, you know, been completely average and pedestrian the last, what, has it been three seasons? Well, this was his fifth-year option. Right, this is his fifth-year option. So if you don't exercise this, he becomes a free agent. But how are you going to give him over $12 million for the absolutely horrific output he's, he's produced over the last couple seasons? Well, and, because that was his option. Right, but I would just let him walk. Pride. I think it's a pride... I think you're exactly right. It's a pride thing from Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov's standpoint and not wanting this guy who is supposed to be the face of the defensive line go and say, we made a mistake, and we're going to prove it in a contract year that we didn't make a mistake and that he's, he's our guy. And I think it's a, a move clouded by ego, and it's, it's, a, it's a poor judgment call, completely poor judgment call. He's not going to do anything better this year. And I love Dan Quinn saying, oh, I'm really going to coach him up this year. I'm really going to be involved in making sure he's good. It's like, well, where the hell was this for the you know, majority of his entire career so far? Yeah, I mean, the, I, I kind of wish the Falcons could just stop talking to the press. Like, everything that comes out now is just terrible. Pretty much the Braves and the Falcons are just putting their foot in their mouths constantly in the offseason for both teams. It's uh, it's really frustrating. But, I mean, and now Grady's seeing that Vic's getting $12 million, and it's like, oh, well, you better give me Aaron Donald money then because I'm, you know, if he's worth I, $12 million, I'm, I still, I'm, I still worth, don't I'm like, worth $30. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if those two are related. They play different positions and it's not like they negotiated with Vic to 12 million that was already in his contract being sure. drafted in the top 10 but that has to send a message to Grady saying if those guys are willing to give a player who has subpar production compared to me when I'm when I'm a top five defensive tackle and I think he is a top five defensive absolutely tackle. and he should so get what he, he should get paid that much yes absolutely but I'm just saying it sets a bad precedent for this team um to me and now we're in a holding pattern with Grady, and you're hoping a deal can get done. But, I mean, I look at the defensive line, and the only players under contract right now are Vic Beasley, Tack McKinley. Not uh, defensive line, defensive end position, sorry. Only three players are Stephen Means, <laughs> who we've re-signed, uh, who no one knows, uh, Vic Beasley and <laughs> Tack McKinley. Yeah, I don't think we can even afford to re-sign Bruce Irvin anymore. Probably not. And here's my question: Is with Vic, it's like let him go, and why not bring in a veteran free agent? Look at scour the defensive line market and bring in a couple of guys that you could pay. Uh, you know, their salary would probably come to the sum of what you would 
pay Grady for this option, who can probably provide more production. Like a Terrell Suggs, for example, if he wanted to leave Baltimore, which is, is doubtful, but he's still he's an older player, but he still gets at he's, least seven sacks a year. He's not going to leave for that much cheaper. Maybe not, but and, and you got to think there, there when, are guys out there that you could pay. But when you're replacing, so saying that, so if we're paying Vic twelve million dollars, we're still going to be playing like anyone that is halfway decent seven to eight million dollars. So we're talking about four million dollars there. That's, that's that's the only difference. That's still something. That's still versus a guy. I mean, Vic still has the potential to put up. Double digit sacks. I don't think so. I think I think that's that. Those days are over. Ten dollar bet. I'll bet you ten dollars he doesn't have double digit sacks this year. How about the rest of his career? Yeah. Okay. I'll take that. I like the long range. Yeah. Five year bet. Yeah. However long he plays. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, and maybe four million doesn't seem like a lot. But that's still money you could use in other ways, as opposed to saying, "Oh, here's twelve million dollars." Um. But how are you going to react if he goes somewhere else and just goes off? Oh, I I, I kind of feel like that's inevitable because that's the Atlanta way. But I would rather not have him come here because he's ain't going to do that here. There's no chance. I don't care how hands-on Dan Quinn is. Vic Beasley is what he is at this point. And I think he needs a change of scenery if he wants to realize his potential again. And... I am just can't believe how weak we are at defensive line. It used to be, even though we didn't get a ton of sacks, we had decent players on the, all up and down the line. And now it's kind of like it's been whittled down to nothing. Grady Jarrett's really your only guy that you can rely on. I can't look at anyone else and be like, oh, man, that's a guy I can rely on. Jack Crawford? Yeah. Tack? I don't know what the heck is up with Tack anymore. Um, you know what it easily is. Steven Means is a nice special teams player. I mean, it's, uh, and Sanat, I don't know what's up with Sanat. Yeah. TD, I mean, his drafts the past couple of years have just been so off with like, I mean, it's even taken like Oliver in the second round last year. That's great. Cause I guess we need him to replace Alfred, but you could have gotten like a real D tackle in the second round or a real offensive lineman in the second round versus having to take all these guys later rounds that are more of development guys. Yeah. So, and then it comes up this year, we get the 14th pick, and that cornerback from Georgia's there. Are they going to take him just because they can't pass up corners? Um, just because they can't pass up corners and linebackers? And wide receivers. Yeah. It, it's entirely possible because now we're kind of thin at secondary, especially with the pool leaving. That that opens the door for someone else. And really, how much can you trust Isaiah Oliver at this point? You just don't know. But you have to take an offensive or defensive lineman I in the first round. totally agree with you. But we know Thomas. We've been watching him work here for over a decade. And we know how foolhardy he can be in these early round picks sometimes. I'm amazed that he pulled Grady out at the fifth round, honestly. That's not a very Thomas-like pick. What if his plan here is to trade Julio? Because we got to resign Julio, too. Yeah, he's, well, he's, well, he still has, I think... A year or two left on his deal, but yeah. That, but he's supposed to be re-signed this year, according to what we agreed to last year when we already gave him more money. Yep. And we got $30 million into a quarterback. Like, there's just not enough money to go around. Yeah. You, you got to make a big trade like that. Like, I hate to say it, but, I mean, we got to... You also got Devontae Freeman eating up money. He can't stay healthy. But you can't trade him. No, he has no trade value. No value. Yeah. I feel like these moves... It's just been too much money... 
we're we're resigning people we shouldn't resign. We're not able to, and, we, and we've invested probably too much money into the quarterback position and the receiver position. I'm starting to think in a really weird way, and I, I was thinking about the Super Bowl and the two teams that played. You had the Rams and you had the Patriots. The, and the reason the Rams could afford all those free agent signings they did, where they got like Sue and um, you know Brandon Cooks and Aqib Tlaib, you know where they've sort of built this super team, is because Jared Goff is still on his rookie deal and isn't eating up that much of the salary cap. So they were able to go out and really harvest all the free agents and say, we don't have that much money on the cap, come, and we've got a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And it worked. I mean, they didn't win, but they got there, right? I mean, it was still a good season for them. Patriots. Tom Brady doesn't eat up that much of the salary cap because he doesn't get paid as much as, like, Drew Brees and Matt Stafford and Matt Ryan and Aaron Rodgers. Um, and then the Patriots never give anyone long-term contracts, really. I mean, they, they shuffle guys in and out. It's pretty much just been Brady. And sometimes, you know, your quality role player like a Deion Branch, but they've always been smart about that. Yeah, they, they don't re-sign people. Right, like they don't re-sign. They're always, they're, their system is so good that they can take anyone off the street, almost it seems like, and turn them into a solid player enough to win a championship. And those two, it's, it's either you got to have a quarterback who's not chewing up the salary cap or you got to have the best freaking system, seemingly, to, to go the distance right now. And... We have neither. We have a quarterback who is great, who is a top 10 quarterback, but he's eating up a shit ton of money. We have a receiver, a top two receiver, who's eating up a lot of money. And we don't have a great system at all. So yeah. we're, we're kind of a, a shit creek right yeah, now. Yeah, this team's screwed. This, this is why I put them at the bottom of my Atlanta power rankings list. Yeah, we're, we're just relying on all these guys who are injured to come back and make a huge difference on defense. And hope nobody gets hurt the yeah. entire season. Right. And that's it, because depth is, is crap. So, I mean, there's got to be cuts. Like I don't know Schrader, why Ryan Schrader's still on this football Schrader's got to get cut, free up his $7 million. There's rumors Sanu could get cut, which I think would be a huge mistake. I really don't want to do that. you got to cut someone, man, and you, that's why you draft Ridley. You cut Schrader. Well, you, you I think you got to cut multiple people. Right now... Yeah, the, why don't we get rid of Sam Brelo? Right Sam Brelo and Vic, man, that would have well, been Well, because Sam Brelo is cheaper than Schrader. So that, but but you, he sucks. Like he's not a very good player. He had he was rated as better than Schrader last year. Yeah, which neither one of them are very good. And Sam Brayla only played well against the Panthers in Tampa Bay when they they already given up on their seasons. So I don't know why that necessitates a three year extension. It's a bad move. We already discussed his contract and how it's completely backloaded. Yeah. So like we're not paying that much for him this year, but if he proves to be good. Then we still have them. It's a lot of hope for a lost cause, seemingly. The Vic thing is still just incredible to me. Vic Beasley move. So, well, this has been horribly depressing. Yeah, can we not talk Falcons for like at least till draft? As long as they don't do anything else that's absolutely moronic, then sure. <laughs> Let's wrap up here with one more. <laughs> that was brutal. Yeah, it was. Let's wrap up with one more thing that happened, Adam, over the weekend. The Don't talk about the hot dogs. The hot dogs? I thought you were going to talk about the Mercedes Benz going oh, cashless. down to 150 for a shitty hot dog? Yeah, that really gets me excited when I, I can't afford season tickets, and yet I'll go to a game and get a $1.50 hot dog. That just makes me feel so good, Arthur. Makes and me feel and so you can't good. pay cash for it. And you can't pay cash for it. So let's put $1.50 on my credit card. So let's not talk about... 
underpriced, shitty stadium food. Let's talk about the Atlanta Legends getting their first win in the history of the franchise. Yeah. Taking out the Arizona Hotshots, 14-11 over the weekend. They had a lot of firsts in that game. Yeah. Got the first safety in uh, AAF history. Yep. Which was exciting. You also had um, Aaron Murray finally played. Thanks, thanks to an injury. Thanks to an injury to old spleen. Poor spleen. Poor spleen. He's been getting, you know, a lot of hate from the fans, and then he gets gets hurt on a strip sack. I don't think Spleeny's going to be back. So do you think this means a, uh, a permanent move to Murray? It's got to be. Like I mean, Murray looked solid. He was like, what, 20, 22 of 30 or something like that? Yeah, it was 20 of 33 for 254 yards. Didn't throw a touchdown, but, you know, it was a low-scoring game, very defensive-minded. He also had 54 yards rushing, so he looked – 54 yards, wow. Yeah, on a, yeah, he looked really in control of, of the offense, and we actually – and Adam Denard, Denard Robinson back was good. He got a rushing touchdown. But Murray looked a lot more confident and was a lot more accurate with his passes. Much better numbers than, than old Spweeney from last week where he was off on 20 of his passes. Um, and the picks were just – And the picks were brutal. And he didn't turn the ball over and uh, – Led the legends to victory, so that was that was really nice to see, and I think that, yeah, you can't you can't go back at this point, even if Spleen is healthy next week. The fans would kill them, right? It'd be a very Thomas Dimitrov esque move. Oh yeah, and I was still surprised when when Spleen went out there, because I was like, well, what do you got to lose at this point? <laughs> right at zero and three. Yeah, but yeah, the next game for the legends is uh, they'll face the Memphis team on Sunday at four at Old Turner Field again. So, if you haven't gotten out there, I recommend it. should be fun, especially with if Murray's leading the team. The offense should be a little more exciting if Denard Robinson's healthy. But uh, one thing I do like about the AAF is it's a little more defensive-minded game. You don't have everybody putting up, like, it's not like 40-1 to 1 to 38 is your final score or anything. It's like these teams are, are it, it's very much like you're, you're gutting it out. It feels like you're watching an NFL game from, like, 1963 or something. Well, do you think that's better defense or just worse offense? I think it probably is definitely the offensive players aren't as talented, for sure. Um, and I think the the playing field's pretty even. I mean, it usually is in the NFL, but it's not to the point where there's, like, a ton of superstars out there. So it's a lot of guys that are really, you know, on the same level for the most part. And no one's like, oh, man, that guy's so much better than the rest of the than, than the secondary or so much better than the rest of the linebacking core. Or, oh, my God, there's a sack monster out there. You know, right. he's just going to get two or three sacks Vic in a game. Vic Beasley and... 2016, yeah, you don't, you don't, you're not getting that as much around this league. So it kind of makes for, um, you know, more of just about team effort than individual effort when it comes to, like, matchups to me. I'm curious where the XFL fits into all of this. Yeah, is it going to actually come back? Yeah, it is. It's, is, it's it, happening. Um, is it coming back this year, or are they still trying to get their I think it's this together? year. Interesting. Like, I just saw Trestman, the old Bears coach, is one of their coaches. Really? But it's like we're just getting used to this new league, and now we gotta get the XFL. How are we supposed to get used to the XFL now? I really hope Atlanta doesn't get an XFL team. That's too many teams. No, to talk no, about. no, no. This show has already been long I'm enough. Stri- today. I'm strictly a Legends AAF guy. I like it. I- I'm not gonna get into the XFL. Yeah, it's not for me. I've already committed. Get to go back to Turner Field. That's all I need in my life. Girl. Right. I'm content. Muy contento. Muy contento. Yeah, I agree. And it's like it didn't work before, so let's just try it again. Well, they're doing it completely differently. Yeah, they'll do it differently, but it's just like, I don't think. Especially with like the NFL's ratings coming back up after the whole flag controversy has kind of died down. It seems like 
XFL is DOA, especially if it's going up against the NFL. But I don't. No, I don't think they're. I mean, I think they're like playing after the AAF. Like okay. Between the AAF and the. NFL. Oh yeah, I mean they're not going to play during the season, but no, I mean like, but I don't, they're I'm, they're not trying to compete with them like they were in the past. Right, but they're still not acknowledging them as like a potential partner or something like that. Uh, and I think that's what we were talking about last week with the AAF being like really smart about that. Yeah, and saying we are like minor league football as opposed to XFL being like we are the new professional football league. Screw the NFL. It's like that's not you're, you're not going to win. You're not going to win with that attitude. People just love their football. They just want to watch football. So that's true. I'm sure they'll do all right. Yeah, someone will watch it. That's for sure. But we're out. Yeah, we're not XFL. Yeah, we are not XFL guys. No, no, got to draw the line somewhere, Graham. Yeah. Well, I think this wraps up this week's episode. Adam, you got anything else you want to say? Um, what do we got coming up, Graham? Um, more brave spring training. No, more. Uh, Baffling moves by the Falcons. More baffling moves with it. This was a very positive episode. I was feeling very good about the state of Atlanta sports. Yeah. Until we started talking about the Falcons. Yeah, Falcons are just... Why do we have to do that? Falcons have just been... Why can't we have all three going at one time? All four, five, six. Yeah. <laughs> How many teams <laughs> yeah. there are at this yeah. point? Uh, I don't know, man. Nice. Yeah. We'll see what else they screw up next, yeah. next week. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have the whole zone. thing. I heard also that they're trying to talk to Deion Jones about an extension, but it's like, why don't you just get, <laughs> get Grady Jarrett extended how first? Do we, how do we extend all these people? Yeah. I don't get it. I don't envy Thomas Dimitrov yeah, right it, now. It, well, yeah, he's also his own worst enemy in some respects. Yeah. But may God have mercy on his soul. Until next week, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer. All hail the ATL and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.